Can we pray before I start? <clears throat> Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your word. I just ask that you'd help me to communicate well this morning uh, the things that are on my heart and I know the things that are on your heart. And we pray, Lord, that you'd continue to um, build us into a community that honors you and that we'd see many, many saved, Lord. And I, I thank you, Lord, for the few that we've seen saved over the years. But Lord, our heart's desires that that trickle will turn into a torrent, that we would see many, many saved, hundreds saved over in the course of the, the years that lie ahead. And so, Lord, we want to pray that with faith, with expectation that you're moving and that you want to do that. And so I ask, Lord, that you'd help this morning as I try and communicate some of the heart of the things that we've been praying through and talking through, that uh, people would get in the heart this morning, these things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so I'm going to carry on this morning talking about uh, developing a culture of honor. And uh, for those of you that have been away or not been around the last couple of weeks, I've been talking about some things that we've been trying to pray through as a leadership team, and uh, we've been doing this for, for many, many months now, just trying to say, where do we want to get to as a church? What, what, do we, what do we want the church to look like? So it's not so much about what we're doing, but it's rather about what we are becoming as we are doing what we are doing, if I can put it like that. And so we've been redeveloping our webpage, and it's been a very interesting process for us as we've been thinking and talking through many things, how much God has done in the last three or four years in terms of our own, our own understanding of the gospel and what God has called us to do as a church. And it's really good to work th- things through and write it down. And so the new, new webpage um, will be up and running in the next couple of weeks. And I really hope it's going to be helpful for all of us because we've really tried to communicate things simply. We've tried to communicate things clearly and in detail so that anyone who's looking at the webpage is not saved will be able to understand what this church is about, all right? And we've been looking at some of our values and uh, over the last couple of months. Clive did two sessions on worship, why we worship and why God honors worship. Helen did two sessions on a culture of grace. What does a culture of grace look like? Or, uh, why, how can we live without fear? I did a couple of sessions on why we, should we even bother with church and what does church look like. And then I started last week looking at a culture of honor. A culture of honor. And I'd like to... Um, a little bit more detail this morning, look at a culture of honor. And uh, I would love for this church to be known as a church that honors God and honors other people, wouldn't you? Forest Town Church, that's a church where people are honored, where God is honored above all things, but where people are honored. And uh, I want to start in this place this morning by saying, actually, that's what God does for us. That's the gospel, isn't it? That God, while we were still dead in our sin, while our relationship with God was broken, He intervened in our lives and He saved us and He restored us to a place of honor. And if you know the story in Genesis, first Adam sins and through him sin comes into the world. And then second Adam, Christ, comes and through him that sin is dealt with and salvation is given as a gift to us and God restores us to a place of honor again in the, in the sense of we are back in that relationship with God that, we, that Adam had in the Garden of Eden. And so God has honored us already by calling us all sons and daughters. Isn't that an incredible thought? That you and I are honored that the King of Glory would call us His sons and daughters. And so I said to you last week that invariably 
there's a tension in our lives as Christians because we, we, we live in a society that lives according to rules, <laughs> doesn't it? And it needs rules to function effectively, but invariably what happens is that we can become offended with people that break the rules of society. And those kind of people are put in jail, and, and that's not a, a bad thing, that's right. But what I tried to talk about with you last week is that we must guard that we don't become so offended with people that we become judgmental in our hearts. And that, that attitude can infiltrate even into the church, where people become judgmental of others. And we are never told to judge anybody. The only people we are told, we're not even told to judge, but we are told to, in the church, be aware of how people behave and help them to see if their behavior is not in line with being a son and daughter of the king, that needs to be changed. But we're never told to judge people. In fact, the Bible, I love the scripture, it says this, that mercy always triumphs over judgment. Always. And so, I believe that God wants for us as a community and for this church, Forest Town Church, to be a place of kindness, to be a place of acceptance, to be a place of honor, and not a place of small-mindedness, of legalism, and of a judgmental spirit or attitude. I believe that with all my heart. And this is what we've been talking through as a leadership team. How can we make this a place where the Holy Spirit loves to be so that every time we worship, we feel the presence of God and we know that He's with us and people are transformed and changed? Well, the only way that happens is when we honor God. Yes? And where there's no judgment in our hearts. You know, I was thinking of Jesus. He was most criticized for the scribes by the scribes and the Pharisees. Why? Because he was most willing, absolutely open to exchange ideas with people, anyone, and to hang out with anyone. So whether they were prostitutes or thieves or tax collectors, whether they were rich or poor, it didn't matter to him. It never lessened his compassion for people, and they were still blind and poor and struggling and needing help. But his inner convictions were so strong and so sure that he knew that if he hung out with those people without any judgment in his heart, he would not be contaminated by them. I'm amazed how many Christians are afraid that if they hang out with, with people that are not saved, somehow they are going to become contaminated by sin. I want to encourage you, if your convictions inside of you are strong, if you know Jesus, if you know Him above everything else and you love Him with all of your heart, there will nothing will contaminate you. We are called to love those that do not love Jesus and do not know Jesus. And this is what Billy Graham says. He says this, It is fear that makes us unwilling to listen to another person's point of view. It's fear that our own ideas might be attacked. Jesus had no such fear, no such pettiness of viewpoint, no need to fence himself off for his own protection. He knew the difference between graciousness and compromise. Isn't that interesting? He knew the difference between graciousness and compromise, and we would do well to learn from him. He set for us the most magnificent and glowing example of truth combined with mercy all of the time. And then he said to us, Go ye and do likewise. Can we, in our hearts, ask God to help us to become people that really combine mercy with truth all of the time, compassion without compromise. Can we ask God to do that in us? And so, 
I had a look at David with you last week, remember? David and Bathsheba. And he wasn't punished according to the rules. It's like he got away with adultery. He got away with murder, literally. How did that, how did that work? And so, if you weren't here last week, you can have a listen to the podcast. But what I said to you is that he, what David did after he sinned was more important, wasn't it? And how, when he got up off the floor after fasting and praying for his unborn child, he really was a changed man. And that is the key, isn't it? How we respond to God afterwards is the most crucial thing. And so, there were consequences for David. The baby did die, and we had a look at that. But my appeal to you is, as we grow as a church, and this church is going to flourish, and it is going to grow, and it's going to continue to grow and flourish. My appeal to you is that this community becomes and continues to be a community that extends grace to others in the same measure that we have received grace from God. And that's what I want to look at in particular with this morning, is how can we ensure that this church becomes a church of honor, that honors people? Well, it's, um, it's difficult to extend grace to those that have offended you, isn't it? It's difficult to extend grace to family members that have uh, offended us or work relationships that are difficult. But I'm convinced that God wants us to become known as people, His people, that are kind and merciful to everybody. <laughs> Everyone that walks through these doors, that we are kind and merciful to them and that they will taste the grace of God when they come into this place. All right? So how do we do that? How do we continue to develop a culture of honor? And I would, I'm grateful for some reading that I've been doing. Uh, some material from King's Arms Church has been very helpful. From Bethel also has been very helpful. And so I'd like to talk to you this morning about becoming a church of honor. And culture, a culture is something that is intangible in a sense, but you can feel it, isn't it? Culture you can feel. And every church has a culture, whether they admit to it or whether they don't admit to it, every church has a culture, a way that it does things. And so I'm talking more now about who we are becoming as we follow Jesus. And different churches have different culture. This church has a particular culture. The vineyard has a particular culture. Uh, Spicer Street has a particular culture. All, all of us have different ways of doing things. Sometimes the culture develops in a community without you even being aware of it. I used to be a teacher, and um, uh, I trained as a teacher. And this is the thing about a staff room. <laughs> the staff room is really where you find out what the culture of the school is. Isn't it? For those of you that teachers, you know that. The headmaster and the, and the guys can say, this is what we're aiming for, but you know what the culture is when you hear the teachers talk in the classroom, don't you? And sometimes it can be real moaning about how difficult things are and how much work they have to do and all that. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not beating up on teachers. I'm just saying you can know the culture of something when there's an informal setting and people are just talking. Then you begin to understand what the culture really is. Isn't that true? So I'm trying to... Get us to see as a church community, what do people really feel when they come into this place? Because we can say one thing, we're aiming at this, but what do they really catch when they are here? All right, four very practical things that I want to say in terms of how do we develop a culture of honor. The first thing I want to say is this, is that honor is really very important to God. This is not just my idea, this is God's idea. Did you know that honor is mentioned 170 times in the scripture? It's very, very important to God. The other thing I wanted to say by way of introduction is that 
honor is very rare in our society, isn't it? Our culture speaks of dishonor in many ways. Uh, from the humor that we see on our television programs to the way that people treat us, treat each other in the January sales. That always amazes me when people uh, see on television. Have you ever noticed that? The January sales and they wait up until midnight or they get there four o'clock in the morning and these perfectly normal ladies that are actually quite polite and lovely, they just trash each other to get into. Have you ever seen that? It's quite amazing. <laughs> or the lack of respect that people have generally in our societies for those that are older. Our society is given to dishonor, to living for itself, and to making fun of those that are different and we don't think fit in. That's how society works. And in stark contrast to that, the Bible has a high value for honor. Extremely high value on honor. Let's look at a scripture which is one of my favorite scriptures. Romans 12, verse 9. I'm going to share four things out of this little portion. Romans 12 verse 9 says this. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Well, this is an amazing portion. I could probably preach five or six messages out of this little portion, but I just want to focus on one little verse, verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. This is the first thing I want to say about developing a culture of honor. The first way that we develop a culture of honor in any kind of community is that we show honor by brotherly affection. Have you ever heard this phrase that it's possible to, to, to love people without liking them? Have you ever heard that? No, we're called to love people. We're not called to really like them. How weird is that? It's a mindset, the, the attitude that somehow you can love someone without actually having any affection for them. So it's like saying, I love you in Jesus, but please don't sit next to me in church. It's like weird. It just like doesn't go together. It's just strange. And it's very similar to an attitude that I've reflected on over the last couple of years more and more. A mindset that you can see in blogs and on Facebook and lived out by some people that say they are Christians. And it's a mindset... Of I really do love Jesus, but I don't want anything to do with his church. I don't have any affection for his people. It's weird. So, there are many people in churches that say, I don't want to be part of church, uh, not a part of churches, who say, I don't want to have part of a church community. It's got to, people who go to church have got problems. They're all messed up. I don't want to complicate my life with messed up people. Besides, you know, churches, they just control you and they want to control you and and I don't want any of that stuff in my life. But I love Jesus. Well, my answer to you, if you have that, any, you know anyone of that attitude, kind of challenge them with this. Come and be part of a church because you'll fit right in. Everyone that's broken, everyone that's messed up, you are welcome here in this place. Because here's the thing. If we really love Jesus, we will love what he loves. And Jesus came for broken, messed up people. For God so loved the world 
that was broken and messed up, he sent his son that whoever believes in him might not die, might not be broken and messed up anymore, but might be fixed up and receive eternal life, might be made new. And so Jesus so loves broken, messed up people that he calls broken, messed up people his bride. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? His bride. And so I want to encourage you, let's uh, love his church with all of our hearts. Secondly, Paul stresses in this passage, he says we are to call to love each other with brotherly affection. Uh, Piper says in his comments, John Piper, he says, there's no coincidence that those two things are put together. Brotherly affection with honor. It's like we don't get to choose between the two. We can't choose which one we like. We can't choose honor without showing brotherly affection. And uh, as you know, there are four, four Greek words for love and affection. And the word that Paul uses here is not used very often in the New Testament. But Paul is talking about a familial affection. Not just tolerating each other, not just being polite, uh, but being really grateful for each other like a members of, of a family. We are literally called in the church to love each other as brothers and sisters love each other. And I am the father of a delightful, two young delightful men. They really are a joy to Helen and I. And I see how they interact with each other in our family every day. I grew up in a family of three brothers. Helen grew up in a family of three sisters. How many of you that have families understand these very simple things that brothers and sisters have niggles that need to be resolved in a constructive way? How much of parenting isn't helping our children to resolve their niggles in a constructive way? Do they have disagreements? Yes, they do. Do they share their lives? Yes, they do. Do they enjoy each other? Yes, they do. Do they give each other the benefit of the doubt? Yes, they do. I know this of my own boys. If one of them is picked on in the school, in the playground, they would stand up for each other. I know they would. Why? Because there's a deep bond of family and they are brothers. And in the same way, we are called to love each other in the church as brothers and sisters with deep familial affection, to stand up for each other, to defend one another. Why? Because that's the way we demonstrate honor for each other. Just a comment, if I can, uh, before I move on, in terms of resolving conflict, because that's always, the, that's always the big elephant in the room, isn't it? Conflict. You know, truly spiritual churches don't ever have conflict. Well, that's absolute nonsense. I think if we're honoring God and honoring Jesus, there is going to be some conflict, all right? The issue is how do we resolve conflict in the, in the local church? Well, I've seen in leading church that there is conflict, and I'm sure that we might have conflict in the future again in some area of, of church life. But the important thing is what do we do with the conflict when it comes? How do we resolve it? And this is one thing that we are resolving to do as a leadership team one thing that I'm resolving to do personally is I'm never going to write letters or emails to people (laughs) in terms of trying to resolve conflict. Why? Because families talk to each other. And it's hard to talk face-to-face, isn't it? Particularly when you feel like you can't connect because there's something in the way. But brothers and sisters talk to each other. And the tone of letters, the tones of, of, of emails are so easily misunderstood and um, it tends to break down relationship instead of building relationship. Remember what Jesus says in Matthew 18, the great, 
thing of uh, resolving conflict in the local church. He simply says this, if you have a problem with your brother, go and speak with him. And remember in our study of Galatians, Paul gets in the face of Peter in the most amazing way when he challenges him about his attitude toward the Gentiles. And he makes a point, he says, he goes and speaks with him face to face. And so... I'm aware as I say that that there's a great risk in me saying it because I'm part of the leadership team of this church and I have not always managed to resolve conflict like that in every way, every time there has been conflict. Where I haven't managed to do it, all I can say is sorry to God and seek to do better in the future, but I'm determined to do this in my own life and as a leadership team we are determined as well that we are not going to hold back because of past failure. We're going to hold on to what we feel is God's way of pursuing honor and unity. Amen? You can say amen. This is good stuff. (laughs) So I encourage you to keep talking. Keep talking. If you've got something you want to talk to us about, come and talk, and we will talk with you. And uh, I want to say there's a good opportunity to write things down. When you want to encourage someone, write it down. You know why? Because if you get a card or a letter or something that's written down, how, how cool is it when you go back and you read it over and over and over and over and over again? Isn't that wonderful when someone encourages you and they write something down and you can read it over and over again? So I want to maybe put this as a little marker for us as a church community. Encourage in writing, but challenge in person. Yeah? Encourage in writing, but challenge in person. And so that's Paul's first uh, encouragement to us is that we would honor each other with brotherly affection. Okay? Second thing I want to say is we honor others more than we seek honor for ourselves. We honor others more than we seek honor for ourselves. I love that little phrase. Paul says, outdo each other in showing honor. I love that. It means that you and I, we deliberately look for opportunities to show honor to each other. Deliberately go out of our way to look for opportunities to show honor to each other. That means um, demonstrating in practical ways as often as we can. And so I want to encourage you in your life groups or in whatever small group format you might be part of, how can you show honor to those in, in your small groups? It might be as simple as writing a, a card of encouragement, uh, making a cup of coffee for them, just saying that you love and appreciate them, giving up your seat on the train into London, even if someone else doesn't value that or doesn't think it's important, that's honoring someone. So what does it look like for you? I'm asking you. Um, I was just thinking there are some helpful markers that we can test ourselves on in terms of whether we're honoring other people. Here's my first little point. Do you listen to people? Do you really listen to people? Or are you waiting for the first moment in the conversation to jump in and give your opinion? You're kind of waiting so you can just tell the other person what you think. (laughs) We honor people by listening. We honor people by not being the first to speak and offer the advice. Are you looking to serve other people? I want to ask you if you're part of this church or um, if you're thinking of joining this church community, uh, do you see yourself as a consumer or do you see yourself as a contributor? Uh, Do you come on Sundays to, to see what you can get or are you coming to give what you can? It's a challenge, isn't it? What about um, unseen acts of kindness, unseen acts of service? 
that we give to each other for no other reason but simply to honor other people. Uh, we want the church to become a, part, a community that does that, isn't it? There's no, no, no task that's a bit beneath us. That's for someone else, not for me. No, all of these things we can do um, to honor other people. There's someone I want to honor this morning, and he's, he was here earlier. But you know, did you know that week after week, every Friday, Derek comes to this church and he gives his time. He sets out the chairs, he cleans, he um, makes sure that everything's tidy, he cleans the toilet. He doesn't get paid for these things. He does it out of honor. He does it because he wants to... Yeah, you are here, Derek. I don't want to embarrass you. I think it speaks, it speaks of... Yeah. Why? Simply because he wants Sundays to run smoothly. And so someone's got to set the chairs out. Someone's got to clean. So test me of what really motivates people is when they do unseen acts of kindness for no other reason except to honor other people. So Paul, Paul encourages us. He writes to the Roman church, he says, let's outdo each other in showing honor. So there's something that's internal, but this also honor is not just internal, it, it happens outside of the church as well. I would love for this church, together I'm sure with the other leaders, we would love for this church to have a growing reputation amongst the churches in St. Albans that this is a community of believers that genuinely speaks well and honors every single church that is preaching the gospel in St. Albans and the surrounding areas. I would love that to become our testimony. Forest Town Church, those guys speak well of every other church. There's no competition. There's no small-mindedness. There's a big-heartedness that God has blessed us with. Why? Because we've realized how much we are loved by Him. I'd love us to become a community that's known for these things. Thirdly, I want to say this. We want to become a church community that honors everybody, regardless of their position in society or their status in society. Yeah? Our, our society honors in position and status. If you are a very successful business person, you are worthy of honor. If you work in, in, as a, a, a shop uh, assistant in Sainsbury's, you don't get honored for that. Well, that's stuff we don't honor people for. Well, I mentioned Derek this morning, and I want to say this, that what Derek does is as important as those that lead worship and those that preach, those that serve in the ministry uh, with the kids every week. We honor every person and every gift. That's what we want to aim at. Absolutely. We honor every person and every gift. And I think that a barometer of any community is how they actually value and honor people that others don't honor. Do we really honor those that um, appreciate the, uh, and honor those that serve us tea and coffee each week? Or is it just like, well, that's how the church works. And so when you come in, there's someone who's already set up the tea and coffee and um, it's going to be there every week and thank you very much. Do we honor people? <laughs> so I would love for us to become a church community that really genuinely, in a meaningful way, gives honor to all people, regardless of their status or their position. And um, 
What about those invisible people? I was just thinking this. We go to Sainsbury's every week to do our, our shopping. You know, there's always an old lady struggling with her cart. Always. Can't get the little thing in. The little one pound coin. Just can't manage it. Always struggling. And there's always some idiot that pushes in front. How do we honor those invisible people that no one else sees? Having said all of this, I also want to say, if we have an honest look at the scripture, it does call us to honor everybody, regardless of their position, but it also asks us to honor those that have authority in the local church. And um, that can be difficult, especially if you think like me. And I say that as someone who leads the church. Why? Because I grew up being suspicious of authority. Why? Because I grew up in apartheid South Africa, and my father, who was a good man, is a good man. He's still around. He always encouraged us as a family, and my brothers, to think critically about why people in power said things that they did. Why were they saying stuff? Why did they actually say that? What were they trying to do? And so I generally grew up with... Um, a critical mind trying to say, okay, well, why is this thing being said? But that's not always a helpful attitude. You know why? Because it makes your default position distrust rather than trust. And it's a very unhelpful position to bring into the church. That the default position is, I'm not going to trust those guys. They have to prove themselves to me, or whatever it is. God asks us to honor each other. God asks us to honor leaders that he has placed an authority in the church and to make their job a joy and not a burden. (laughs) And you know that's true even when leaders make mistakes. Yes, even when leaders make mistakes, we are still called to make their job a joy and not a a burden. Now hopefully we would have leaders that would say, I'm sorry, when they do make mistakes. But that's what I looked at you with David last week, David and Bathsheba. God still honored him in spite of the mistakes he made. And so I was thinking, you know, 1 Timothy 6, Paul encourages the, the Christians there in, in that society. He asks them to, um, slaves to honor their masters. <laughs> How does that work? Slaves honor your masters. Does that mean every master was a good master? I don't think so. But there's something about Understanding who we are and who God has made us to be that enables us to honor people, every person, even when they are not perfect. And so I want to say clearly that in this church, as we go forward, we are, want, we are going to honor leaders. We are going to honor leadership, both inside Forest Town Church and in other churches. And I'm so grateful. We've been praying in the last couple of years uh, as part of our prayer life as a couple, we've been praying that God would add to this church community every gift that we lack. Because we are aware that we, can't, we don't have the whole package. And so that's how this church is going to continue to flourish. A team of highly gifted men and women that love God with all of their hearts. And not only that, the church will continue to grow and fl- flourish as that same team of highly gifted men and women so love and honor each other that there's no sense of competition, there's no sense of rivalry, there's no insecurity. Rather, we want to cheer each other on, we want to champion what God is doing in this church so that it can become all that God wants for this church to become. That's a culture of honor. 
Amen. Am I being too intense? Everyone's quiet. That's when you get insecure as a preacher. You think, oh dear. Okay, and lastly, this is the hardest one. This really is the hardest one. We are determined to honor people regardless of whether we think they deserve it or not. (laughs) And this is the hardest one, isn't it? Often we're happy to honor people that we think deserve it or appreciate it. (laughs) But what about honoring people that don't appreciate us, that don't think we're any good, that don't like us? How do we honor those kind of people? That's more difficult, isn't it? That's really where it hits the road. But you know, that's why I think Jesus encouraged, he said, love your enemies, speak well of those that persecute you, bless those that persecute That's what he was trying to say. There's a different level of honoring when you do it for those that persecute you. And so, sometimes I'm thinking of myself, we can do a kind act for someone, and then we can get upset if we don't get that sort of appreciated feeling back from them so that we can feel all warm and fuzzy about ourselves. Eh? Uh, and then we get upset. Well, why didn't they appreciate me? Didn't they see that I did that for them? Didn't they see that I took out the garbage again for them? <laughs> what about if you offer your seat on the train to someone and they actually don't, don't say thank you? They just sit down and look at you like, well, what, what took you so long? I've had that before. Have you ever had that on the train? You see, sometimes there's a more subtle message, isn't there, that I'll honor you if you show me appreciation. (laughs) But I want to say to you that I don't think we can really understand honor until we can give it away to someone who's not able to give us anything back in return. Nothing. That's why I think personally it's good for all of us to be connected with the poor in our lives somewhere. Can I encourage you? In the local community, and also we're looking at taking a team. If any of you want to come to Cambodia? Cambodia, you know where it is? Southeast Asia, Cambodia and Vietnam close together. We want to take a small team in October to go and uh, help some people in Cambodia. And why? Because there's something fantastic about getting out of your worldview about getting into a place which is completely different, that doesn't see life like you do, that, that uh, makes your whole sense of comfort get turned upside down, and to minister to people in that environment. Amen? So I want to encourage you. It's going to cost about 1,200 pounds to go, and we would like to take maybe six or eight people, enough for one minivan, so we don't have to hire two on the other side. And Clive has got some contacts there with some people that plant churches in rural areas in Cambodia. If you'd like to be part of it, we'd like you to think about it, pray about it, and come for an adventure. Come on now. I said to Helen, I need an adventure again. I do. I want an adventure again, man. I, I used to have so many adventures with, with Christians going to other nations, preaching the gospel in the most unlikely places. I've told you, I've been to Mongolia. I've, I've drunk milk in a gur. I've, I've had Mongolian wrestling, been part of that. I've walked on the Great Wall of China. I've preached in Singapore. I've preached in Africa. It's very exciting. If you're bored with your life, come with us and get out of England for a while and have an adventure. Okay. 
Why should we minister to the poor? Why am I encouraging you to be connected, whether it's in your local community with the poor or outside, like I'm saying, in another nation? Because the bottom line is this. Poor people can't give you anything back. And the bottom line is that we are called to honor people, every single person, simply because of this, that every person is made in the image of God, and that is worth honoring them for. My least favorite advert on all of television is those body, what do you call it, those um, photoshopped ladies that in their smirking kind of self-satisfied way say, use this L'Oreal because I'm worth it. (laughs) I hate that advert. The only thing that makes you worth it is the fact that you are made in the image of God and you are blessed to be beautiful, but actually all of us are made in the image of God and we're called to honor all people simply because they are made in the image of God. And there ends my little rant for the day. So, how is it possible to achieve this? Because when I was preparing this, I felt deeply challenged myself. I thought, God, how can I preach that? It's absolutely daunting. How can I even live up to that in my own life? How can I ask the church to start aiming at this, of becoming a church that honors every single person? Well, there's only one way that is possible. And it's simply this. That we first have to receive honor ourselves before we can give it away. We first have to understand that honor comes from God and that He so honors us and loves us that He's given Himself for us, that He's restored our relationship with Him. And because of that, we are called sons and daughters. Romans 5 verse 8, Paul says, God so shows love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Until we understand that, until we really understand how much God values us, how much God loves us, how much God has already respected us and given us a place of honor, we can't give that away to anybody else until we truly know it for ourselves. 1 John 3, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. See what love, what kind of love the Father has given us. So I want to say what I say over and over again. You're not going to get to honor other people in an ongoing way by trying really hard to honor them. It's only going to get you so far. It's only going to get me so far. No, when we understand that I'm honored by the King of the universe, when I understand that I am a son and daughter of the Most High God, and that is enough for me. It doesn't matter what other people say about me. <laughs> I'm saying this to you this morning. Are you getting your sense of value in your life from what God thinks of you or what other people think of you? I'm encouraging this morning that if we really are going to be those that learn to honor other people, we have to be convinced, secure in this thing of how much God has loved us and honors us and respects us as sons and daughters so that we can give that same, that same sense, we can give it away to others freely. What we've received, we can give away to others. So I want to encourage you this morning. Do you know how much God loves you? <laughs> Do you know how much God has honored you already? Do you know how much God has dignified your life by giving His Son to you? And that same honor that is 
regenerated your life, that same love that's regenerated your heart and made you a new creation, that's what you can give away to other people. And I'm also convinced of this, and I'm finished with this little thing. It's not something that you can know once and you move on from it. If we are going to be those that in an ongoing way do mighty things for the Lord and uh, preach this gospel and see people saved, we have to remind ourselves continually of what God thinks of us, what He's already done for us, that we are His sons and daughters. That's what's going to keep us strong, enable us to give the same love and honor away to others. Yes? I love the story. Um, many of you not, might know George Muller. He lived in the 18th century, worked with homeless people in, uh, in Bristol in particular, and with, mainly with kids. And um, he had this little phrase. He said, the first thing we are do, to do in the morning is to find ourselves happy in God. <laughs> That's how he used to encourage people that worked with him. First thing you do in the morning is find yourself in a happy place with God. What does that mean? It means that you remind yourself every morning when you get up, thank you, Lord, for this new day. Thank you that I'm your son. Thank you that no matter what happens this morning, uh, today to me, I'm still your son. Whether it's a good day, whether it's a bad day, I'm still your daughter. Whether, whether people speak well of me, whether people speak badly of me, I'm still your son. I want to thank you that I'm your son. Remind yourself of that every morning. Get yourself into a happy place in your life so whatever comes against you during the day, you end the day knowing, I am a son of God, I'm a daughter of God, I've honored God this morning and because, uh, today, and because I've been able to honor God, I've been able to honor other people. That's a culture of honor. That's what we want to give away. That's what we want to grow in. Learn to live in as a church community. Amen? Can you stand? I want to pray with you. Uh, Holy Spirit, once again, I want to ask just for your ministry right now. I thank you for your words. I thank you that your word is powerful. I thank you that you teach us through your word, that you shape us through your words. But Jesus, I'm asking that you come and do in people's hearts and our hearts this morning a sovereign work of, of the Holy Spirit, uh, and only you can do that. And so Lord, I just want to take a moment and ask that you'd come that you would make this something that is planted deep in our hearts, that we truly would know, every one of us, that we are your sons, we are your daughters, that we truly would know that honor for ourselves so we can give it away to other people. Lord, that this church would truly become a place that honors with brotherly affection, deep affection for each other. That we truly would honor people regardless of their position in society, whether it's a high position or more humble position. We thank you that you've called us to love everybody with brotherly affection. 
Lord, even when we don't get that appreciation back, we pray that you would help us to love those that sometimes it's hard because we don't receive any recognition back. But Lord, we thank you for that, that you call us to love and honor everybody. Holy Spirit, I just pray. I pray that you'd come now, that you'd seal this in our hearts, that we would know the reality in this church community. And I prophesy over this church, Lord, that we would become known as a church that honors, a church that honors each other, a church that honors you, a church that honors other communities of faith and speaks well of every church. I pray there would be no pettiness in our community at all. That we would speak with blessing over every single church. That every church would thrive. That thousands would be saved in suburbans. And God, that's only a work that you can do in our hearts. And so we, we just pray that you would soften our hearts. We wouldn't be those that try and justify ourselves. Like Billy Graham said, Lord, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be those that ring-fence ourselves in to protect ourselves. You never did that, Jesus. You were comfortable to hang out with anybody because you knew who you were. And I pray that we would so know who we are, we would be comfortable to hang out with anybody and demonstrate and speak of the love of Jesus. Let's break bread. And uh, maybe you just want to spend some time this morning asking God for your own life to help you in your own life. Maybe some things you just need to say, Lord, I struggle with this. Just help me with this. The best place to do that is at the Lord's table.